Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name's Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. My name is Tim Doyle. Welcome to Project Sports. Uh, we got two guests on the show today. We're going to be talking the Euro 2021. Thanks for coming back to the show, Caleb Maciel. How you doing? Hey, man. I'm back again. Yeah, here we are. And we have a new guest to the show. His name is Chris Cherry. He plays soccer himself. He was a keeper, and he's going to bring some good stuff to the show today. What's going on, Chris? Hola, hola. Hello, hello. Hey. What's going on? So... Let's get into this. Let's let's talk about the last you know couple of days of the Euro, the last two games that we've we've seen, and then also going forward how we're going to view some of these teams uh, down the road uh, coming up to the Qatar 2022 World Cup. But uh, we're going to start with maybe some with some takeaways from the tournament, and then talking about what we think about the final. And for those who don't know, uh, Chris and I have been longtime friends, and he is a fan of Italy, the international soccer team. And I am a huge fan of England since we were both young kids. And this is a dream come true, a dream come true <laughs> matchup for both of us. And it's, it's pretty awesome. So um, I don't know where to start, but I guess we can just start with the Italy game since that one happened first. Italy versus Spain. Caleb, just give me your first raw thoughts about the emotions of the game, how you think the game went, who played better and all that good stuff. Go for it. Yeah, I think I think overall Italy probably played a little bit better, but it was super tight, super close game. And... Obviously, when a game like that goes to PKs, it's, it's a coin toss at that point. But um, but yeah, I was I was more impressed with um Spain than I thought because I thought Italy would just win outright at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I was pretty impressed with with Spain. Somewhat, they kind of played they played their game really. You know, possession, possession, possession. Just have a hard time um, finishing and getting some like real goal opportunities. But they had that one really nice goal with Morata down the middle, and. But yeah, and I mean, Italy did what they had to do. They they got the win, so I was glad they won. I was rooting for Italy for sure. So overall, when, it was a great game. I was pretty pretty happy with the game and the result. Yeah, same here. So when it got to pens, were, did you feel confident that Spain was going to win or Italy was going to win? We, I mean, obviously, we know that Italy won the game, but did you have a feeling one way or the other when we got to penalties? I, honestly, I really didn't. At that point, I, I thought it was complete toss-up. Like, I had no idea... Which way it would go, to be quite honest. I did not yeah. have any feeling. And then, I mean, that's how kind of pens always feel. Sometimes you feel confident in a team. You're like, oh, they're going to win it. Uh, I thought that Spain, let's it, we'll say regulation time. I felt like that they, even though you know both teams scored and they played well, but I thought Spain dominated the game for the most part, but it's still going into the pens. I felt that Italy wanted to get to penalties because they had a chance to win that way. And that was the best option for them at that time. Once it got late into the game, players were getting tired. And Spain was pushing to win during um, regulation and also in overtime. So yeah, for sure. But I think I think it's a little um, deceiving with Spain because they just hold possession so much. So it seems it just feels like they're always dominating. Mm-hmm. True. Because they're all, they just have the ball, so it's like mm-hmm. it feels that way. But you're right. At, towards the end of the game, Italy was tired. Like they mm-hmm. they were just playing for PKs at that point for sure. You could totally tell. They yeah. Weren't even, they weren't even countering. They were kind of just like kicking the ball away and. Trying to trying to kill the to kill the clock as much as possible to get to PKs. Absolutely, and and, and the next question I'm going to ask is for Italy and the way that they won the PKs, Chris. I think that I think going into the game, even at the very start, when the the coin toss and the the Italian player, I forget his name, was it Boncini? The Chiellini. 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 Was that the yes. a, a, smiling and hugging and 
Just oh, the whole man. vibe vibe of the Italian team. How did you feel about them going into that match once that started? And, you know, take me through what your thoughts were and how confident you felt in the game, or did you feel on edge the whole time? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like Caleb mentioned, it's very tough to determine how Spain is going to do based off of the possession of the ball because, I mean, at the stop of the game, they had about 80% percentage, whereas Italy, you know, was struggling to get hold of the ball. And so we didn't see any goals until the second half. Um, beautiful strike from Chiesa. And then, of course, it's so hard because Spain, not only do they have possession skill, but they have speed up top as well. So, you know, my boy Morata from Juve, you know, the two Juve boys scoring mm. uh, in that game. It was just a cool little back, you know, back and forth there. But going into the PKs, you could definitely sense a sense. You, you could sense this freedom and you know really the nothing to lose type of mentality honestly i think it was a mentality game you know chiellini just hugging up jordi alba and just really getting into his head like dude what are you doing like this is a serious <laughs> moment right here and chiellini's like ah yeah whatever let's do this i mean what do we have to lose it's you know it's do or die right here and honestly i felt really confident with Italy going into that because it's you as you could see it's really tough for teams to win PKs back to back right I was rooting for the Swiss when they played against Spain and you saw how well they did against France during their PKs they hit all five mm -hmm. and then you see in the Spain Switzerland game they missed like what three in a row yeah and so it's so tough to you know win back-to-back -back PKs and I know um you know in the Euro back in 2008 the Euro coming off of Italy's World Cup win in 06 you know Spain and Italy met in PKs in the semis um or even the quarterfinals I don't remember but Spain ended up beating Italy for two uh and so there was of course that in the back of my head going into this PK shootout. But the one thing I did call, you know, in my own in my own time was I knew we were going to miss the first PK for whatever reason. I think it was Coletta, Coletti, the first um, Italian player to, to, you know, strike his PK. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't think this dude is going to be confident enough to hit. But I still felt really good about Italy coming out on top and just seeing Jorginho, my Brazilian compadre, um, with that last and, and Taylor Twelman even called the PK. He and you would think that, you know, the Spain keeper would have done his homework and knew that Jorginho was gonna do that skip. Um, the same skip that Tiago did um on Donnarumma. Mm. So it's one of those things where it's like if you just do your homework, I mean, of course, yeah, both, both players are notorious yeah, for that. Yeah. yeah, so it's one of those things where it's those it's those Brazilians, man. Yeah. Too. <laughs> exactly. So it's hard. It's hard, but at the same time, they just catch you with that skip, and once you're down, they just with ease. So that was such a deal sealer with that PK from Jorginho just sending them to the final, and it was really so. It's a really great game. Yeah. So I mean, another question I want to ask you because I mean. That feeling you just referenced, the Euro 2008, I mean, that's kind of like the last time Italy's really been involved in a major tournament. Yeah. And then you're yeah. in the, not only that, like you're in the same exact position playing the same exact teams oh in penalties and you miss the first kick. <sighs> even even in the Italians' point of view, you miss the first kick. It's, it's hard to recover when you miss the first oh, yeah. PK. And oh, then yeah. the, the history 
you haven't been good for the last exactly you know, eight or nine years, and now oh, you're yeah. presented again. I mean, it's really something that Italy came back and won, and they were so loose and so light. And I yep. really think that that helped them propel them forward to be able yeah. to, you know, uh, you know, carry on and be like, hey, we have, like you said, they had nothing to lose, mm-hmm. and they went in. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest. On that side of the bracket, they were the best team, and they deserve, in my opinion, they deserve to be in the final. Mm. And and I've been a critic for from Italy for years, but this Italy team is a little bit different for me. I yeah. think time yeah. time has progressed, time has moved forward, and this Italian team. I was trying to tell people before the Euro started. I had a close friend who's the one uh, in in Austria, and he was. I was like, hey, it was what team you think is a dark horse? And I said, well, Italy, because if you looked at the qualifiers, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. 20, 20 something matches, they went with you know not losing, and they mm-hmm. barely conceded any goals coming in. Yep. And a lot, people always forget that the Serie A, they they don't, not a lot of players, like Italian players, go play outside that league. Like they don't go around Europe playing, so they're not highlighted. So they're always mm-hmm. a team that people underestimate. And now, because they were out of the you know major tournaments for so long or not being successful in them, I think that they were really a shock to everyone, and they performed extremely well. And I would say that they are they were the best team on that side of the bracket, and they deserved to be in the final for sure. Yeah, I think that they definitely were underestimated. And even with their opening match against Switzerland, it's one of those games where you just expect Italy to come out on top and you 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 take those games for granted. That bracket, I mean that um group that they were in, mm. it was a it was an easier group, so you really couldn't you you kind of discredited them from the beginning where it's like, ah, you're expecting it. Uh you know, they they had great games, you know, 3-0, 3-0, um a couple of big games there, but you really weren't giving them the credit that they deserved until we got to the round of 16, then we get into the quarterfinals and they're playing teams like Austria. And then, I mean, for sure, I thought Belgium was going to win. I only gave, as as much of a fan of Italy I am, I, I definitely gave Belgium the upper hand there being the favorite of the tournament or one of the favorites in the tournament. And so at one point I was just like, you know what? I don't care if I'm wrong. I'd rather be loyal. So let's go yeah. Italy. <laughs> and it's paid off. So I'm very, very yeah. excited to see them. For me, I, I was confident the whole time. I mean, yeah, this sometimes they'd be like, oh, it's their lesser, uh, lesser opponents. But I think in the group stage, I feel like even like playing at perfection like that. And then, you mm-hmm. know, with the, the scoring goals and having good defense and not conceding is huge. Yeah, when and yep. when you get on a roll and you have chemistry and you kind of saw how the Italian team played, I was like, wow, they're they're going to be reckoned with. And uh, I'm going to get into Belgium in a little bit, but uh, I do have some reasons and reservations of why they they failed against Italy. And that was mm-hmm. actually the first time they conceded a goal was against Belgium in the tournament. So, oh wow, yeah. Um, so I guess we can move on to the England Denmark game. Um, we can talk a little bit about how this game played out and there's obviously some controversial things within here so i know caleb and i are going to get into it i don't really know how chris feels about um the pk i mean we could just we'll bring it up because that was the most you know crucial part portion of the game but england ended up winning the game 2-1 in overtime from you know harry kane scoring the winning pk brought by sterling i'm just gonna Mm. we're just gonna speed up to this because this is the hot topic everyone's you know hitting at what what were your guys' thoughts on on the um on the pk of sterling going down you know the var everything all involved what do you guys think about the situation i mean i'll just say that i ended up missing it due to a work uh meeting that i was on but definitely want to hear and i know that we kind of discussed it a little after about the controversy behind it but i didn't get a chance to even watch any highlights on it so feel free to jump in on that caleb 
Let, let it loose. Yeah. Tell me how you feel. All right. <laughs> Here's how I feel. Well, first of all, another really, really good hard-fought game where everybody counted out Denmark as they've been counting out the whole tournament. But they held their own, and that free kick, first of all, was nasty. Like, what a sick free kick that I don't mm-hmm. know that guy's name, but that was a sick, sick shot. Um, and then he, they held their own. England came back, and then for the game to be that hard fought, and then for that PK, to me it was a weak. It was just a super weak call. That I don't. I personally don't think it was a PK. Looking at the looking at the replay, of course we got like the the slow mo and all that, which you know that's what VAR is for, so they can see exactly um, how things went down. But to me, it was just a, it was just a weak call in that moment. I, just kind of a devastating loss for Denmark at the end of the day. I feel like, um, I know some people will say like England deserved it because they were the better team. They were playing better. They had more chances and yada yada. But at the end of the day, I just think it was a weak. I just think it was a weak call. And um, it was kind of it was funny. I thought I like because I thought it was a weak call. I'm like, I think Kane's gonna miss this PK dude because like the ball don't lie type of thing. <laughs> yeah, and he missed. He actually missed. <laughs> The, the, got, the ball got saved, but then he just got the rebound and just put it in. It was like, wow. But, um, yeah, I guess overall, I just think it was a really weak call, bad call. And it just sucks for a game that was that good, that hard fought to end in that way. You know, I'd rather it, I'd rather it win it like um, England just win straight up in like a, a nice a nice goal, like a, whatever, but not like in that way with a PK at the end. At mm. the very end of the second the second half of extra time to over, um, overtime, I should say. So... So, so yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely have a way different take on this, and, uh, and you not know, surprised. It, you know, not surprised, not surprised, but uh, give me a chance here, give me a chance. So, I've been listening to a lot of um, reporters on this: English, British, French, German. Everyone's pretty much saying the same thing that Caleb's saying, and except for the Brits, mostly some of the Brits are making an argument for it, and I, I've listened to some of them as well, but. I mean, and a lot of people keep saying, so even in the Germany game, which I disagree with most people when they say like, oh, Germany dominated or, or this or, or that, or whatever. Obviously, everyone knows that they dominated the Ukraine game and they played extremely well. But in the Denmark game, it was a 20 to 6 on shots. We had 10 shots on target. They had three. We had, uh, we had 728 passes. They had 534. We had 59, 41 percentage for possession of the game. We only had 10 fouls. They had 21. I felt like personally all game that they had fouls that either weren't called, plus they had 21 that were. So obviously there was 21 fouls, but there wasn't yellow cards that were given out. It's one of those things, uh, those age-old soccer things, and it, where it kind of like some things just backfire on you when you commit too many fouls and there's like a makeup call within a game. Mm, and yeah. th- there was one on Kane earlier that should have, it could have or may have been called, but they didn't call it, which I thought was the right call. But in real, okay, so we'll get to the Raheem Sterling. I'm all over the place, but... <laughs> the way Raheem came down that side, I thought it was genius. And a lot of soccer players would have done the exact same thing. So I would discount anyone who would say that it was a flop because I don't think it was a flop. He positioned himself perfectly. He got hit twice, once on the back of the leg and then once someone stuck his leg out. Do I agree that it was soft? Of course. And it's, it's quite hilarious to me that some of the announcers I was listening to from all different uh, European countries they were they were talking about how it was a soft you know play, and I'm thinking back to the early 2000s when, I mean, flopping was a huge problem, and people would get calls for it all the time, and they would benefit from flopping. And now it's been essentially, you know, yellow cards given out for it, and it's been really harped on for the last 
five or six years or so, and it's improved so much. And even Sterling is kind of like the last big offender of it because, Caleb, we talked about how in Man City they kind of created VAR. You had mentioned that to me about over or around Sterling. So for me, I think that Sterling made a great play, and in real time it looked like a foul, and he did a great job selling it. And that was a great time not to use VAR, and they couldn't overturn it because the, the, the letter of the law says if there's contact during it, VAR can't overturn it. So the way the ref saw it, he called it the way I think it should have been. So it played out. There's nothing England can do. Maybe you can blame the ref, but I also don't think it was that bad of a call. I think it's overblown because it's a semifinal, and a lot of people don't want to see England win, and a lot of people want to see Denmark lose. But that's just me. That's my thoughts on it. And you can counter if you want, Caleb, if, if you got some thoughts off that. Yeah, I guess, I mean, not so much a counter. Just a thought would be. Yeah, go ahead. Like Sterling did what he, like he did the right thing. I'm not blaming Sterling at all. I think he was looking, kind of looking for the foul. He felt the contact and he went down. Like he did the right thing. He got the call. Um, but I just, I don't know. At the end of the day, I just think it was, a, like you said, it's the semifinals of the Euros in, in overtime. And I don't know. It was just like a kind of left a sour taste at the end of the game for it to end that way because it was a, it was a great game, and of course I was looking forward to PKs as well. I think a lot of people were, and being like not a fan of either team, and for the most part unbi- unbiased <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I wanted nothing to do with PKs. <laughs> yeah, of course. But you know, like when you're not a fan of either team, you want to see PKs all day. Like that's yeah, of course. I'm, what yeah. I love, but I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, so just, like in uh, that sense, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say I just reviewed the PK and from a highlight, and I would have to agree that it was in fact a PK, and I actually co-signed with everything that Tim just said in terms of it being blown over because it's a semifinal game, and and like we all just mentioned, you know Sterling did a great job of positioning himself to get that call. Um, it was the right call. There was contact. Uh, and, and it's just the the heat of the moment where, of course, we don't want to see a game like that end with that type of result. If you're, you know, a soccer fan or more so a Denmark fan, but at the end of the day, um, that was the right call. And, you know, it, it was one of those moments where it was like the soccer gods, if you want to say, yeah. you know, kind of gave Kane a chance. Hey. You miss. You're gonna miss this PK. Now here's your chance. If you make, you know I, the 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 follow up, then I, that's on you. I I was talking to Brandon this morning about the game too, and and I think it's so funny. Like the English, the Brits are so hard on their own team, and I think a lot oh of people gosh, in Europe they are yeah. as well. Like they they just downplay everything. Like even Absolutely. even to the point where. I think that England dominated that game. And some of the, I'm going to go as far as to say some of the Denmark counterattacks that Mm -hmm. the shots they took outside of the the free kick that they got was beautiful, like Caleb alluded to. But Mm -hmm. the the rest of it, some of their counterattacks and their shots off their counterattacks were pathetic. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, they didn't deserve to win at all. They weren't even close. Granted, England didn't score, so it was still tied 1-1 at that point. And that's fine. But I just don't believe that they were even close to being the better team. That's why I'm perfectly okay with this call. And Sterling was a problem all night for them. And he was he was an absolute nightmare. And I yeah. felt like that it, it kind of went their way. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, we, we, we always talk about Kyle Walker's defense. And it's just out of control how strong of a back line England has. 
um, when they use four in the back or even when they go to three in the back, it's just really hard to get past that back line. So it's going to be an interesting final for sure. Okay. So, Caleb, do you have your three up and three down? Three good takeaways from the tournament, three bad takeaways from the tournament. I, I have three. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? It's up to you. Yeah, uh, I can go first. All right, cool. Let's start let it with, rip. Start with three good? Yeah, three good. Let's start with let's start a positive note. Let's start All with right, your three good. So my three good. First, number one is just, I guess I'll just say Italy in general because coming into the tournament, I was one of the, I guess, the doubters. I did not believe in Italy at all. Even mm. after their first game against Turkey, right, in the group stage? Yes. I think they won 3-0, but to me it was like there was an own goal. There was um, like... Turkey just basically gave them a, like a, a really bad mistake in the back and just gave them another goal. So I was like, Italy, literally, I don't know. I, yeah, I wasn't impressed by that game. I remember you saying this in the group chat. Right. And then and then they kind of they showed up. Though. So I, I give them props. And it's good to see. I'm happy to see Italy back on this stage because like one of the one of the few teams in, in Europe that I actually like is Italy. So I was happy <laughs> to see that. Um, the, my second one would be just seeing the, seeing some of the games with the fans back in the stadiums mm. has been crazy because at the one. same time I've been watching Copa America and the, the stadiums are completely empty still. Yeah. Yeah. COVID, was, COVID has hit really hard over there, a lot worse than Europe, I think. So, so seeing the fans back is like, makes such a big difference in the game. It's kind of crazy. Um, and then my last, my last, I guess, good would be just kind of seeing like the new, the new generations of teams coming up with Italy, Spain, um, this, this England team and all their young players coming up and even Netherlands and Portugal, kind of like a changing of the guard with Cristiano Ronaldo at the end of his career. Yeah. Some of the newer players like, like um, Bruno Fernandes and some um, John Felix and those guys kind of, you know, taking over they're the, they're the, the new generation for that team and, and the other teams as well. So that's kind of cool to see is a changing of the guard in a lot of these um, national teams. Yeah, for sure. So I guess I'll just do my three ups too. We'll do uh, we'll do the negatives in the back half. So mm-hmm. um, I'll start with mine. Um, my first one and top one for me is England finally found themselves. I think that was it's pretty cool over, for so many years. 1966 was the last time they won the World Cup. They haven't won any major tournaments in 55 years for international soccer, and they finally found who they were in themselves. I think passing. Obviously, you want them to win it, and you want them to because it means nothing if they don't. But the last two major tournaments, they've gone to the semis. They finally won, so they're progressing forward each time. And now it's the the future, like you said, Caleb, with a lot of teams passing that baton, does some younger players and generational things that going into Qatar. I think that they, you know, have a really good chance going in into Qatar now and being an actual, you know, threat to other um, international teams around the world. Uh, my second one would be Denmark. Obviously, they played very inspired. Like the whole thing with Christian Eriksen was was terrible, and it, it sucked. But Denmark, in the end, they played inspired, and they made the semifinals. Like it, it, they lost their first two games. They're the first team ever to lose two, two opening round games in any international um, big tournament like this and then actually make it to the semis. So, I mean, that was unbelievable. So that was definitely a positive. And then my last and not least, which... I was kind of like where you were with Italy, Caleb. Uh, I was with with Spain. I had no idea how good Spain would be, even until they got to 
uh, their second to last match, I still didn't realize, and I didn't realize uh, how good this young kid Pedri was. And uh, now after watching him play, I cannot wait to watch him play again. I know that sometimes people can get lulled to sleep with how Spain plays. I love it personally. I love possession soccer and some of the passes. They're unbelievable. But Spain for me, my, my major point was Spain will be a team to reckon with come the 2022 Qatar World Cup. And I think it's a team we everyone should be watching out for. And they're going to be a strong side. They're only going to get better. Their defense is only going to get better. I think that's probably the point where they had the toughest. Imagine if they secure their defensive line and Laporte kind of, you know, now that he's on that roster, they, they get settled and moving forward, they, they are probably going to be successful. So, Caleb, what's your, what's your three down for the tournament? All right, my three down, the first one would be, I mean, the elephant in the room would be France just choking and not us not getting to see them play against Belgium and even some of the other bigger teams um, in the knockout stages. And, and then to top it off with that, it's just that Mbappe miss in the PKs. Like, how devastating was that? Um, kind of feel bad. Like, I really like Mbappe. I'm not a fan at all of France. That's probably one of the teams I despise the most. But Mbappe, I'm a huge fan of him. That was just kind of sad to see him yeah. go down like that. Um, the second one, this is kind of a weird one. I don't know if it's really, like, a bad, but I saw this weird stat where there's, like, 11 own goals in this tournament, which is mm. in all the previous... Euros combined has only been nine, but there's been 11 in this one, which is like really, really weird. I don't really understand this one, but <laughs> I don't know if the players are just kind of sloppy or I think I have, a, no, I have no idea. A lot of a lot of the, those goals were uh, whippings from the the side or off yeah. co- like off uh, corner kicks and yeah. malfunctions or plays where balls were coming in fast, kind of like right. the England goal with um, Denmark. That one. Yeah, there. that was an that was an own goal too. Yeah. That was an own goal. So I mean, yeah. I mean, but that was a beautiful play by Saka pushing it into and you know what is the Denmark guy yeah. tried to turn it around Sterling, and clear it. But Sterling made the run to make that happen too. So yeah. like a lot of those were like that in the tournament. A lot like yeah. it was close situation. It wasn't mishaps. The only one that was the actual mishap was the Spain keeper. Oh, that was <laughs> that the only one that was crazy. like okay. That came out of That's nowhere. one of those goals that. I'll definitely remember uh, for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. But I just thought it was super weird that 11 in this tournament and only nine combined in every other Euro. That's like crazy to think about. And then I guess the last one would just be just Germany in general. I was just like super disappointed by, like you kind of knew Germany is kind of at their last leg and they're, they had just a change of the guard there as well, but their young players didn't show up either. Like mm-hmm. I was expecting more for, um, for Nabri. Gnabry. Uh, yeah, Bayern. And I don't know. I was just I wasn't impressed with Germany, and I just feel like all these other teams, like Italy, Spain, England, Portugal, the Netherlands, they all have bright futures, and I I don't really see it for Germany. Germany, honestly, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll see what they do next year in, in the World Cup. But that would be, I guess, yeah, one of the bads. The last one. Yeah. Okay. So I got three downs as well. Uh, some of them are a little bit similar to yours. I guess I'll give a little bit different takes on them, but. Uh, the Belgians fail again, uh, displaying they rely too much on Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne. And when those players go down, they kind of fall apart and they don't have enough strength to beat big clubs or go into big matches. And we've seen it over and over again as they refer to them in the European uh, world as the Belgian golden age. And they are failing on all fronts. It reminds me actually sort of close to you know the England golden age when... We had Stevie and Frank Lampard and Beckham, Rooney, and all those players, and they failed to, you know, do anything with that. And it's, it's becoming that. And they don't have much longer 
maybe the Qatar World Cup, but it could already be too late. They do have but. good young talent coming up, but they have failed on multiple occasions in big international stents when we were all were very positive about them going into a big game. We all picked them. And I think this will be the last time I picked them going into a big game. Uh, I, I would pick Italy now. I, I picked Belgium, and I don't think I'll do it again. Uh, they keep making me look like a fool. Yeah, I think the only, the only thing I say to that was, I mean, I think just the injuries just killed them, honestly. De Bruyne wasn't himself. Hazard wasn't there. And yeah. I have to hear the term golden generation or golden age one more time about Belgium. Yeah, for sure. That's a point. So. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't look back at the England teams and be like, oh, this is the golden generation. I look at the teams now. If, if England win on Sunday, I'll be like, this is the golden generation. <laughs> These guys coming up are good. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the other guys, will, they were all individual winners with their clubs, and that's it like Beckham, Stevie, and, and, and others. But, it, yeah, I, I mean, I agree, but to a point where, like, injuries shouldn't affect you that much. You rely too heavily on one or two players. Yes, they can play a role in impact, but you have to, you have to get the job done. Like, for me, Ch like, even Italy, when Chesna and Isigna, some of their best players get subbed out of the game, and they still make PKs and win against Spain. Yeah. You know, they don't go the distance, but they still get the job done. And I know injuries are a big impact, but you should have players that can step into those roles and, and win for you. And Belgium over and over has repeated that they can't do it. They, they can't yeah, find a way to win. They're top heavy for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yep. Uh, my, other, my second one, I guess I'll go with is France is not as good as we all thought. I, I was thinking that France was as good as the, uh, the Spain generation when they won the Euro twice and they won the World Cup and all that, you know, and they're, you know, they had, I don't know if Benzema was maybe a problem in the locker room. I mean, obviously he scored goals, right? But something changed within there and mentally they were not equipped to win this tournament. And it was very apparent. Not only they struggled in the group stage and then they also, I mean, obviously they had a, the hardest group, but at the same time, they still, we still expected them to thrive and then they just had, you know, they collapsed. It wasn't, it was embarrassing. And then something was in their head. And Mbappe, I mean, we all said it. We, we all knew he missed before he even took it. Yeah. We could all feel that that yeah. miss was coming. And, you know, yeah. you know something's wrong with the team when, that, when yeah. that comes about. And I guess my final one would be Mula fails to score. And this one, this one is, is uh, it's kind of sad to me because, I mean, I mean, Ge Germany is a good generational talent, too, and it kind of, like Caleb, you said, uh, my, my top three were, bottom three were pretty much the same as yours, but it felt like, a, you know, a, definitely a baton passing as much as, you know, we're not really too much big fans of Germany, but, like, watching that happen, and he, you know, it's such a guarantee for him and that breakaway against England, and he misses, and that passing of the torch is bittersweet. It's like, I love seeing the new players come up, but at the same time, it kind of sucks seeing some of the older players go. So, yeah, that's my three up, three down. Yeah, it's kind of intense to see, you know, these tournaments and the passing of the batons and really watching the players that we sort of idolized when we were still in our prime, talking about high school ball, college ball, post-college, you know, and, and emulating these players. And now we're getting to a point where we're probably at the age where we're older than half of these rosters. And it's like, whoa, like <laughs> Thomas Mueller is, is an old man, right? Uh, all these other folks who we've literally just, you know, Gigi Buffon's no longer, you know, we have Gigi, you know, Donnarumma for our Italian keeper. And it's like, man, these guys. But of course, you still have folks like Ronaldo, you know, Bonucci, 
um, some of the older players there, you know, Mueller's still playing. Um, but it's like we have a lot to look forward to, but at the same time, it's really bittersweet to see them go. Some of my actually takeaways and bad takeaways, You, it's weird that you guys mentioned pretty much all of mine. It's funny, but my one of my good takeaways is one of Caleb's bad takeaways, which is that group of death where we got to see a lot of the tournament that we saw because of teams like Portugal, Germany, and France Ooh. exiting early. They definitely just beat themselves up in that group. Hungary was, of course, out first. But, you know, you know they had to play each other multiple times. And because of that, they just wore, the, they wore each other out. Um, and it showed throughout the rest of the tournament. And so they ended up just before the quarterfinals right before the quarterfinals or i think one team made it to the quarterfinals but we didn't get to see them later on in the in the tournament and we got to see a lot we got to see a lot of titans go off yeah Yeah, we got to see a lot of titan matchups this this euro which has been yeah that's a great point that's a great takeaway of course in the soccer world we love to see those teams thrive and go far but at the same time there's only enough room at the table um when you get closer and closer to the top and so some of these teams of course eventually have to fall um but you know, one of my bad takeaways was the fact that we didn't get to see that Belgium and France matchup that I was calling from the beginning where you have the number one and the number two, um, the favorite and the defending World Cup champs going at it with great speed up top in Lukaku and Mbappe and trying to get through these defenses and just seeing that matchup happen and the disappointment that came about when it didn't happen. And so um, I think, again, in the soccer world, for soccer lovers, it's one of those matches where we were all just ready to just indulge in all the popcorn we had in our cabinets and really watch that game. But yeah, that would have been happens. that would have been epic. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. So, okay. I mean, I got I got a couple other things on here on the agenda, guys. And I guess this one is just a question to both of you. I'd like to hear your full responses. Um, I did see this question posed somewhere else. So I'm, I'm not going to say I, I came up with it myself. I did not. But um, Caleb, and this one should be a little, I don't know if it's be controversial for you, but I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say on it. Um, who needs silverware more, Argentina or England? Obviously, we're, we're speaking about the Copa America. The final is Brazil versus Argentina. But who needs to win more, Argentina or England? Wow, they're like in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I thought Absolutely. it was such a great question. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Argentina for the simple fact that Messi has never won a championship with um, Argentina, like a major uh, senior level championship. Could you make Not a case trophy. for England? You could make a case, but I, was, I guess I'll base mine off of... Um, off of Messi because, you know, he's regarded as one of the GOATs. And for him to never win a single Cup America, a single um, World Cup with Argentina is kind of a huge stain on his resume, if you will. And, you know, when you compare him with Ronaldo, Ronaldo has a Euro. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll say definitely, I'll definitely go with Argentina based on, just really based on Messi. And you can, the last time they won a championship at all was, I think, ninety early 90s, I want to say, 93, 91, or something yeah. like that, when they won the Cup of America. Yeah, which is, so for his entire career, he's, he's regarded by many as the GOAT. A lot of people regard him as better than Ronaldo. I'm kind of on that camp as well. And for him to never win a single, like not even one, even yeah. in, like in, in Cup America, which is, which 
I mean, they've probably made it to the finals a lot of times in, in Cup America. And to never win one time is kind of crazy to me. So It is. But you can make the case just to no, make the case for England as yeah, well. Yeah, you can. I mean, I but I, I, I lean more towards Argentina too because it, it means more for Messi. And I think that it could help Messi's case or just be really rewarding to him. Whereas England... There's no one solid player who's looking for that GOAT status and, and you know, that greatest of all time. And for me, I'd lean Argentina too. Obviously, I, I want the silverware more for England, but for me, it's definitely Argentina. Chris, do you have any thoughts on this? No, it's, it's definitely Argentina at this point because you make it. It's absolutely right. And I was going to say that exact same uh, thing where England doesn't have that player. They don't have that stardom status right now focused on one player as a team in europe they they definitely are up there ranking number four in the world but at the same time it's one of those things where messi needs this on his resume or as of right now you really can't make that much of an argument if we're going by resume that ronaldo's not better than messi because of that euro title that ronaldo has on his resume Mm -hmm. so it's really tough and i know the pressure's on Messi, so especially the last major tournament that he was in, I think they lost to Chile, where that was a major stain on his resume, where he definitely needed to get that. And then, of course, the World Cup Wait, final ho- against Germany. Ho- what were you going to say, Caleb? Hold on, Chile, yeah, it was against Chile in the final, but what made that crazy was they went to PKs. And yes. You know who missed a PK to lose the game? Exactly. Yeah, Messi. <laughs> Messi. Exactly. Make sure people didn't forget about that. That's good. That's good to <laughs> throw that in there. So you have you have that right, and then you 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 lose to Germany at the World Cup. So, and then you have Ronaldo in Europe. You know, just killing it. Real killing it now in Juve, uh, at Juve, and then winning a Euro. So it, it really does lean towards. Um, Messi for or Argentina, I should say, uh, for winning that. Yeah, and don't Chris, don't you think it's set up perfectly right now? I mean, you got oh, Brazil and Neymar. So if you're taking, like, you're not just beating any old Brazil team. You're you're beating a Brazil team with a star. Yes, and it would mean it would mean a lot. I think it would hold a lot of weight with his resume. He needs it. Absolutely. He needs it, Absolutely. especially where Cristiano Ronaldo has one. So yes, yes. All right, are you guys ready for? I created this thing that we're gonna play this little game. And I, you guys have no idea what it is. So for the listeners out there, Kiss and uh, Caleb have no idea what I'm about to do. But <laughs> I created this little uh, international tourney across time bracket. Okay. Oof. Oof. And Ouch. yes, it's it's going to be good. You guys are going to make some picks and you're going to have to live with them. And right. it's, it's going to be good. Try to be unbiased as much as possible because there are some teams in here that you both adore. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. I already think I know who will be the winner of the entire tournament, but I'll save that for the end. Who I, who I think. Um, Let's do it. But pretty much what I did was I set up two two sides of a bracket. We have the last six Euro winners and the last six World Cup winners. So basically, what we're gonna do is I matched up uh, those teams based on uh, most recent team to the least recent team and put them. Uh, to each other uh, is the first round. So there's six teams, and whoever the lowest and the highest um, is, so because there's three matchups on each side of the bracket, so mm-hmm. one side of the bracket in the Euro will go to the World Cup side, and they'll play each other in the second round, and they'll have a matchup there. And it will be the highest uh, year and the lowest year will play each other. It's just random. I know it's not foolproof, but it's something, yes. and we'll have some fun with it. So 
Rush go. So, Caleb, I'll have you go first on the first pick of the game, and then Chris will have you go on the second pick. Sounds and good. the only you, only you can pick which one for the matchup there. All right. So, Chris, we're going to go with you in the uh, very first pick for the Euro side. We're going to start on the Euro side. So, the 2016 Euro team for Portugal won the, the Euro. Um, they would be playing against the 1996 Germany team. Um, who do you have winning this game? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with Euro 2016. Euro 2016 Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo makes his uh, first appearance in winning a major international tournament. And I guess we'll go on to the next one. Caleb, we have the 2012 Spain team versus the 2000 Zinedine Zidane team in the Euro. What's your pick here? Hmm. I'm trying to remember that. France team. They won the 98 World Cup too, right? They did, yeah. yes. They're a very good side. And playing yeah. against a very good Spain side. That's true. Yeah, that Spain team is it's legit. It's, it's, a crazy. Le- it's a legit team. Yeah, yeah I, I, think I'll def- I think I'll go Spain. Just go in Spain. Just because I know exactly what that team was like and like, all yeah. the players and their style where in 2000, I don't, I don't remember that much, honestly. Besides okay. Zidane being a freaking beast, but... Yeah. So we got the winners of the 2012 Spain against the 2000 France team. Um, then we're going to head over to the last and final matchup. And Chris, you're going to pick this one. We have the 2008 team versus the 2004 team with Greece. Who do you got going forward on this one? Uh, so who's the 2008 team? The 2008 Spain. Sorry. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. And is that World Cup or no? It's all no, Euro. Euro. This is all Euro. Just the Euro, Euro side. Yeah. Um, you gotta go Spain. You gotta go Spain. I think so here too. Greece, you know, they were a good team, but there was you know that was a legendary. That was a legendary run. So Definitely. I agree on that front. Uh, I think yeah. that's a good pick. So the 2008 Spain team. So now we're gonna head over to <laughs> the other side of the bracket, and oh it's good. The World Cup winners. So, uh, Chris, I'm actually going to let you go first on this yeah. one. Um, and it's going to be the 28 France team, 2018, sorry, 2018, the most recent winners, and yep. the 1998 France team. So which ooh, one are you taking? This ooh, is a good one. Ooh, ooh. Man of the match, Zidane oh, Zidane, 2000, 1998, and then you got this current 2018 team. Wow. Who are you taking? I, I watched both games, and I'm definitely going because they'd be a brilliant Brazil team definitely going with the '98 France team. The 1998 France team is moving Absolutely. forward. All Absolutely. right, I l- love to see it. I agree, Caleb. I I, <laughs> I switched it up on us because the next matchup is totally 100% you, and I need you to be 100% unbiased. Are you ready for this? Yeah, it's a 2002 team. But go ahead. It's a, two- <laughs> <laughs> it's a 2014 Germany team well, and the 2002 <laughs> Brazil team. Who do you got? Let me just pencil it in real quick. All right. <laughs> give me your, give, uh, give me some reasons why. All right. That 2014 Germany team was good. And that's the team that demolished that, I'll say, pretty weak Brazil team in Brazil <laughs> with no Neymar, no Thiago Silva. And they had Thiago, they had uh, Davi Luiz trying to, trying to take down that Germany team. And it just wasn't <laughs> happening. But that 2002 team is a whole different story. You got Absolutely. the Absolutely. real Ronaldo, yes. the actual yes. real Ronaldo, Ronaldinho coming up in his prime, like young Ronaldinho, maybe 22, 23 years old. Cafu, Roberto taking, Carlos. Taking the role by storm. Yeah, the two yeah. 
right back, left back that are still two of probably the greatest right um, backs in the in the in history. Absolutely, they're at least up there. Absolutely, um, they had. Not many people know this, but they said Kaká was on that team. He was on yeah. the bench, but he was a su- super young Kaká coming up. Mm-hmm. Rivaldo. I mean, you can Absolutely. go on and on. All Liga. right. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely going with the Brazil team. You're asking, <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. You can't ask me that. <laughs> I mean, that was still that was a solid team. That was like a star-studded team. Not to mention they beat Germany in the final. Yeah. 2-0. Yeah. They did, and I yeah. think that's a that's a good pick. I mean, I think it's the right pick. I don't. I don't think you're being biased here. I think that's that's the correct pick. All right. I mean, I'm, I am being biased, but if you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're very fine for me, you're I'll lucky that your, your bias is correct, so that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so the, the next matchup now, Chris, I have to call upon you oh, to be very unbiased in your oh, pick gosh. here, but it was intentional that I made you make this pick. Let's but it see. it is the 2006 Italian Absolutely. squad Absolutely. versus the 2010 Spain team. What do you got yeah. going forward? <sighs> All right. I'm trying to think. So Spain beat that Dutch team for that World Cup. Mm-hmm. And they, that World Cup, they were, like, untouchable. That was a very strong Spain team and a very strong Dutch team that they took apart. So I can't even discredit them there. But we got to look at Spain. I mean, not Spain. We got to look at Italy. In the entire tournament, they only conceded an own goal in the second game versus the U.S. Uh, And then finally a goal from Zidane um, from a PK in the final match. So that whole tournament, the only team that scored on Italy was Italy, really, uh, up until the final. And... That was a very, very, very strong Italy team, but at the same time, a very, very, very strong. So, who's your pick? Spain team. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I would have to go Spain because they did take Italy down in the Euro in between. So, therefore, I have to go with Spain. Spain. Okay, so the 2010 Spain team. I'm going to put that one down, 2010 Spain. All right, so all the teams that were picked um, are going to be Spain 2016, 2000 France, 2008 Spain, 1998 France, 2002 Brazil, 2010 Spain. Is there any teams that you would like to switch out that the other person said that you disagree with or are we square? Do we feel like we're all on the same page or do should we switch one out? And so, can someone make a strong enough case? Because if you battle it and you give me a good, good reason why we should switch them out, because I think there's a case for... Maybe two of the games in here. I'd like to hear those. I think from I, what Caleb picked, I'm 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 good with what Caleb picked because he picked everything I would have picked. You would have picked Caleb. Is there any disagreements on your end? I probably would have won Italy over Spain, but that was mine too. I don't know. It's it's like super close to me. Just thinking it of is. the Italy team. And and I Kimbaro. I just I always lean defense, and no one scored on them. And they were they were a really good side, and I hated that team with a passion. <laughs> but I would pick them I, over I mean, Spain. If you guys want to, I would definitely. But at the same time, you gotta you gotta realize that that 2010 Spain team was the team that, again, like I mentioned, in 08 took out Italy um, in the quarterfinals and then won another Euro the following um, major tournament. And so that's a dominant Spain team coming from Italy's team in 06 that really didn't do anything up until this year. So. 
putting all of that in con- into consideration and taking my bias out of it, that's why I picked Spain. Okay. But of course, I'm all I'm always gonna pick Italy in that sense, but I have to throw my bias. So, out are we gonna switch or stay? I'm fine with staying. St- you guys can. I think we stay. Yeah. Okay, let's stay. stay. Okay. Yeah, I, perfect. I agree. That Spain team was crazy. Okay, so now we're into the next round. So what we said we were going to do is going to take the last, the highest year versus the lowest year, which will be Spain 2016 versus France 1998. Uh, Caleb, go for it on this one. I'm going to stick with that France team. That the France team. team. Was... I'm feeling the same. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, just, that, that team was I good. Think, I think that was just peak Zinedine Zidane, and he's also like one of the greatest players ever. So Yes. That, and so, that 2016 um, Spain team is not quite the 2010 one to me either. So Correct. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. That's a great assessment. I think that that's true, and I think that 98 uh, French team is unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I'd agree there. So the next matchup we have will be France. So this is the Euro team, France 2000, versus the 2008 Euro Spain team. What do we got going forward this one, Chris? Yeah, I'm going to go with that Spain Euro team. Spain Euro team, 2008. Yeah. Okay. Any reservations against that? Um, or is that square? I think that's good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's move on to the final matchup of this round, which would be um, Spain 2010 versus Brazil 2002. Who do we got going <laughs> forward? Yikes. <laughs> that's a good that, one. That's a good one. That's a good one. I think yeah, I think you guys should do this one. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't think that Spain's beating that team. I don't. That's my opinion, Chris. I, I think that Brazil two thousand two wins, but it's, y- it's can we make any reservation? I mean, I know that 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 team was good, but I'm trying to make the argument for Spain, but at because that what, what year is that? Twenty twenty ten. Sorry, yes. So, yeah, 2010. 2010, 2010 so World Cup winners. World Cup, World that's Cup the World Cup. Right? Yeah, the World Cup winners. So they beat that Dutch team. I mean, that German team was no joke. They had a lethal uh, striker in, uh, I think his name was Michael Bureau, uh that they took down in the 2002. Close? Close? Not, Maris, not Miroslav Close. It was, uh, his name is Bierhoff. He's a lethal Strike. He was a lethal, you know, striker in the air. So I know they took that team down, and really that was that was probably their strongest. Like two thousand two, two thousand four was their strongest team. So I'm going Brazil on that one against that two thousand ten Spain team. Yeah, I'm going Brazil too, Caleb. You want yeah. to give your two cents here? I mean, it's 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 definitely close because that's that Spain team is was crazy. That was like really kind of at their at their peak with Iniesta and Xavi and Torres and everyone. But but yeah, I I really think that Brazil team was top from top to bottom was pretty loaded. So so uh, this concludes the top three international teams in the last since 1998. So for almost last 30 years or so, um, we got the 1998 France team. 2008 Spain team and the 2002 Brazil team. Obviously, we ended with three teams. Um, if we had to rank all three of these teams, what's your one, two, three? Starting with three, all the way to one, Chris, what's your picks? So who do we have left? We have 2002 Brazil, 2008 yeah. Spain, and the 1998 France. Ooh, such great teams. Um, 
from three to one, I'm going 2008 Spain, 98 France, 02 Brazil. 02 Brazil. Caleb? I think I have, I think I would just switch the bottom two and go France, Spain, Brazil. France, Spain, Brazil. Bottom, top, Bye. yeah. I just, I, 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 I guess. Bias. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You got you got to take into you got to take into you got to take into consideration who France beat to get that chip, which was a very yes. strong Brazil team. Yes, yeah. they they so. did, but but that's what made Brazil that much better in 2002. Here's here's the thing though, I don't think that that France team could beat that Spain team. I just don't. Oh yeah, I mean that's what I'm kind of looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that team could beat that team, and I don't think, and I I knew this was going to happen. I knew the 2002 Brazil team would come out on top. Yeah. And I think we all agree that that team is probably I'll say that's that's where I, I definitely fell in love with the game was that World Cup for sure for me and that was why I stuck around. England is my team going was my team going forward after that World mm-hmm. Cup, but mm-hmm. I mean that's the only reason why I watched soccer to begin with is because of I watching that. I mean that's why you played FIFA so you could <laughs> you could be Brazil and everyone would be <laughs> like, "Oh, you're cheating because you're that 2002 Brazil team." And that that Ooh, roster uh, was unbelievable. Who eliminated England in that World Cup? I forget. Um, I can't remember who eliminated England in that World Cup. Oh, well, actually, Which I just remember. It, it was Brazil. They, yeah. Was it Brazil? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he knows. Ronaldinho had that crazy free kick. Like, oh, it was yes. from pretty far, like over oh, the head, right word. in the bottom, top, top left corner. Yep, yeah. I remember now. Gosh. Yeah. As, those were suppressed I was memories. If you thank, yeah, that. thank you for that. That was all suppressed. <laughs> now it's coming back out. And honestly, as I think back on you know those two teams where we're talking about France, '98 France and uh, 2008 Spain, uh, Spain, that was back when I mean you look at the two keepers, Bartes for France and Casillas for Spain. Casillas was at his peak, like he was winning, you know, the keeper of the year award for like three, four years. So he was like that was a dominant Spain team, especially because of their defense, but. Definitely, it was one of those years where keepers, like that was when, you know, Neuer, Buffon, Casillas were just going at it. If Even Peter Cech going at it um, when it came to dominant goalkeepers. So that was definitely a, a, a season of strong goalkeepers back then in 2008. Yeah, of course. I mean, for 60 years, Spain dominated yeah. all of soccer. Yeah. That team was unbelievable. I mean, I, re- I remember people trying to even, you know, when possession of the ball against them was difficult. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I think this is it. I think that's the end of the road. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I think that was good. I think we made a solid pick there. And I guess there's only one thing left to say, guys. It's not coming home. It's coming home, baby. <laughs> Let's go. It's coming home. It's coming home. Football's coming home. Azuri, baby. <laughs>